Amen. Thank you, Miss Diane. There is a name we all love to hear. It's the name of Jesus. We love to sing its worth. We love to shout his praise. And we love him because he first loved us. It's my hope this morning that the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of your heart today as we talk about Jesus Christ who was lifted up on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Even there, as he was dying of the sins of the world, humiliated and embarrassed in the eyes of everyone who saw him, he was shining in the light of his glory. As you open God's word to John chapter 3, verses 9 through 21, may the Spirit pour out the power and love of God upon all of us today. John chapter 3, verses 9 through 21. And from this text, I want to preach to you the sermon, Lift It Up. John 3, 9 through 21. When you found your place in God's Word, we're going to do something a little different this morning. If you found it, and if you're able, would you please stand? And we're going to honor the reading of God's Word together this morning in that way. John chapter 3, verses 9 through 21. The Bible goes on to say, Nicodemus answered and said to him, that is Jesus, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. 
The main point of this passage of Scripture and the main point of the message I'm going to preach to you today is simply this. We are to believe that Jesus was lifted up so that we can receive life, love, and light. Life, love, and light are theological themes that run throughout the Gospel of John. As you read through the chapters of John's Gospel, you'll see over and over again where he points out Jesus talking about life and love and light and where John summarizes Jesus' teachings within those concepts. Christ himself presented all three of these concepts to Nicodemus in the second half of his conversation with him. In the first half of their conversation, Jesus talked about being born again. Here in the second half of the conversation, he talks about believing in the Son of Man who would be lifted up on the cross. These concepts of life, love, and light involve a choice. If you believe that Jesus was lifted up on the cross for your sins, then you receive the blessing of knowing Him. What follows is eternal life. Understanding the love of God for you and living and walking in the light. But if you refuse to believe, then you receive nothing from Him. You receive the consequences and curses of your sin. So let's look together at this first concept and choice in verses 9 through 15. Life or death? Life or death? As I mentioned, Jesus and Nicodemus were continuing a conversation that began back in chapter 3, verse 1. This conversation runs all the way through verse 21 that we're going to look at today. Nicodemus was still confused that Jesus told him not once, but twice. You must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Jesus' simple reply to Nicodemus' confusion was that as the teacher of Israel, he needed to know these things. Jesus explained to Nicodemus in verse 11 that he, as the Son of God on earth and his Father in heaven, were both testifying of the need to be born again. We're testifying to you, but you're not receiving our witness. In verse 12, Jesus told Nicodemus that until he came to terms with this teaching, he was not going to dig any deeper in discovering the truth. Nicodemus may have thought that just turning away from his sin and simply trusting God to save him was really too simple. I mean, he loved deep, complex, theological matters. Is really all that God wants and requires for me to turn away from sin and to trust that only He can save me? Nicodemus may have thought that he had to do more in order to be born again. But Jesus reminded Nicodemus that nothing that any Pharisee or any person had ever done had ever gotten them into glory. No one has ascended to heaven, Jesus said. 
Jesus also told Nicodemus that one and only one had come down from heaven to make the way for any person and for all people to go to heaven. Just as Jesus referred to Ezekiel's prophecy about being born of water and the Spirit earlier in the conversation, back in verse 5, so now he referred to another Old Testament passage that Nicodemus would have known. It's a story that's alluded to in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. The story that Jesus referred to about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness is recorded back in the book of Numbers. Chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to warn you if you haven't heard this story before or paid much attention to its details. It's a bizarre story. But it's relatively short, so I'm just going to read this story to you so that you can understand everything Nicodemus would have known when Jesus said to him, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 4, we read this story. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses, saying, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. Our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. And many of the people died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. He didn't die. He lived. I told you the story was a little bizarre, didn't I? Some of you may have heard it. Some of you may have never heard it until just now. But that story is a good picture of why Jesus came to this earth and of how he saves people from their sin when they simply look upon him with genuine belief. Just like Moses put a bronze snake on a pole so that everyone who was bitten by these fiery serpents in the wilderness would be given life instead of death. So everyone who believes that Jesus was high and lifted up on the cross will live forever instead of dying in sin. Believe that Jesus was lifted up so that you may receive life. You may say, Jake, I've heard that story about Jesus dying on the cross for me many times. But I've got to be honest with you, it still doesn't really 
make sense to me. It's almost as weird as Moses having to lift up a metal snake on a pole and people looking at it to live. Why in the world did God send his son to die on the cross? Why in the world did God choose that way to redeem people from their sin? Could he not have chosen to save us some other way? I want you to listen to me if you have those questions in your mind. First, one of the greatest teachers of Israel who knew all of the Old Testament stories about God was just as astonished by this notion as you are. You mean to tell me that Moses, all we have to do if we've been bitten by these poisonous snakes is just look at that serpent you stuck on a pole out there and we're going to live? Like, that's it? Yes. Why? Because God told me that's how you could be cured. In the same way that people had to just get over the idea that this was so simple, Nicodemus had to get over the idea that turning away from his sin and trusting Jesus was just that simple. We don't have to make salvation any more complicated than it is. I mean, in fact, the truth of the matter is salvation is one of those wonderful mysteries. The simple message that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died upon the cross for our sins is so simple that a child can believe in Jesus. But yet even a grown adult who studied the word of God all their life can be absolutely confounded by it. I also want you to hear this. Though we may not ever fully understand why God chose to save the world in this way, it is in this way that he was able to demonstrate his great love for the whole wide world. This brings us to the second concept and choice in verses 16 through 18. Not only do we see the choice between life or death, we also see the choice between love or damnation. John 3.16 has become the most well-known Bible verse in contemporary North American culture. I mean, regardless of whether you go to church or not, chances are you've at least seen signs that say John 3.16. In fact, many people who don't believe in Jesus could actually quote this verse. If you know verse 16, I know we read it to begin the service this morning, but some of you are still half asleep. So let's say it again all together, but let's say it together slowly and not just speed through it. And if you don't know it, I think we can put it back up on the screen again so that you can read it out loud with us and not feel left out. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Very good. A beautiful Bible verse, isn't it? It describes the love of God in a wonderful way. Jesus knew 
that his father had sent him to this earth to die on the cross for the sins of the world. The gift of his life was the demonstration of God's love. And wonderful as that verse is, Jesus' words in the next two verses are just as important and just as worthy of memorizing as verse 16. Look at verses 17 and 18 one more time. I want to read them to you once more. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world or to damn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned. He who believes in Him is not damned is another way to say it. But he who does not believe is condemned or is damned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We ought not ever get the idea that somehow Jesus is coming to this earth and that his death on the cross for sins is what sends people to perish in hell for all of eternity. We should not think that if Jesus had just stayed in heaven and not come to die for our sins, that God would have provided some other way for other people to be saved. Verse 17 tells us why we shouldn't think that. Because of our sin, every single one of us are destined to perish in hell. Every single person who's ever lived on this earth. Each and every one of us has a one-way ticket to condemnation for all of eternity. Like that's where all of us are already. God didn't want that for us, so he sent his son Jesus. The reason that Jesus came to this earth is not to send us to hell, but to save us from hell. We're already going there because we've rebelled against a holy God. But that same holy God loves us so much that he was willing to give up his son on a cross to save us. The words condemn and condemnation simply mean that we stand guilty before a holy God deserving of death and eternal punishment because of our sin. But God loves us so much that he gave up his son to death so that we would not have to be condemned. Christ hung on the cross condemned in our behalf. Believe that Jesus was lifted up so that you may receive the love of God. The love that God has for you. And if you're thinking this through, You might say, Jake, that's all well and good, but there's still something that just doesn't quite make sense to me. If Jesus died on the cross for my sins in about a six-hour span, that's how long his crucifixion was from the time they hung him on the cross to the time he died. If Jesus hung on the cross for my sins in about a six-hour span, one time, about 2,000 years ago, Then why, if I don't believe in him, should I have to spend an eternity of suffering for what Jesus only suffered for for six hours? 
It's an objection that somebody's brought to me before. And to be honest with you, it's a really good question, isn't it? I think really good questions deserve really good answers. So let me help you think this through. You and I are finite beings, right? That means we have a beginning. We have an end. There's a day that you were born. and There will be a day that you and I will die. We are finite. Jesus, however, is an infinite being. That is, he has no beginning and he has no end. We were born and we will die. Jesus is an infinite being, just as his Father in heaven is infinite. Yet Jesus entered into the history of human time and was born as a baby in Bethlehem and crucified on the cross of Calvary. Jesus' birth and crucifixion were not his beginning and his end. They were the points that we can relate to and assign to him as his time on earth. Jesus existed long before he was born in Bethlehem. And Jesus is still alive today, even though he was crucified a couple thousand years ago. He's an infinite being. Now, I don't want you to miss this. I'm coming back to that really good question. Why did Jesus only have to suffer six hours for sin when people have to suffer for eternity for sin? Here's your answer. Are you ready? Jesus, as an infinite being, suffered in a finite period of time what you, as a finite being, would have to suffer for an infinite period of time. You guys there yet? I'm going to share this with you one more time so that you can turn it over in your mind. And as you think about this, you begin to understand the weight, the magnanimity of God's love for you. Jesus as an infinite being, suffered in a finite period of time, what you as a finite being would have to suffer for an infinite period of time. Say, Jacob, I'm still not getting it, man. I'm sorry. Here you go. You ready? What Jesus endured in his six hours on the cross was the eternal condemnation that all those who do not believe in him, have to experience. So, Jay, how in the world is that possible? Listen, Jesus is an infinite being. He suffered on the cross what people would have to endure for eternity in hell. That is how much God loved you. It's not just a, oh, I love you enough to go let my son that I know who's going to come back to life hang on a cross for six hours. I mean, look, he could go through a lot and endure it for six hours, even if it's terrible, but for an eternity. Jesus 
as an infinite being suffered in a finite period of time what you as a finite being would have to suffer for an infinite period of time. So why in the world would anyone refuse to believe that Jesus was lifted up and instead desire to receive death and damnation? Jesus tells us why in the third concept and choice in verses 19 through 21. Not only do we see a choice between life or death, love or damnation, we also see the choice between light or darkness. Listen to these verses once more, verses 19 through 21. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. It's the truth and we know it. Nicodemus knew it when he heard it. People love darkness instead of light Because our deeds are evil. And we do evil deeds because we have wicked hearts. We are sinful people. In order to be born again, one must believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross for their sins, and rose again on the third day. But we don't want to admit that we've sinned. And when we refuse to admit that we've sinned, when we refuse to confess our sins, we can't be born again. We continue living in the darkness. We don't want to bring our dark deeds to the light of the cross. What the glorious light of the cross of Christ does is exposes the depth of the darkness of our sins. Think about this with me. Jesus had to die for every lie we've told. Jesus had to die for every adulterous and immoral thought we've had. Jesus had to die for every corrupt theft and thought. Jesus had to die for every act of violence and emotional outburst of hatred. Jesus had to die for every cuss word you've spoken, every perverse thought you've entertained, every dirty video clip you've watched, every grudge and bitterness that you've held in your heart. Jesus had to die because of the sin you committed. Man. Hard to admit sin when we look at it in that light, isn't it? That the reason God's Son hung naked and suffered an eternity on that cross was because of what we've done. Please don't misunderstand me. Jesus died on the cross for you because He loved you. But the only way that you could be forgiven of the wrong that you've done 
as if the benevolent Holy Savior died for sinful human beings. I want you to think back with me to the beginning of Jesus and Nicodemus in this conversation. Before Nicodemus ever uttered a word in verse 2, we are told how Nicodemus came to Jesus. This man came to Jesus, what does it say? By night. In the darkness. Now thankfully Nicodemus came to Jesus. But the truth is Nicodemus was in darkness. And Jesus was exposing the sin in his own heart. Jesus was telling Nicodemus and he's telling you today too. That when you come to Christ. You come to the light. You turn away from your sin and you totally trust Him to save you. You can't hide in the shadows. When Jesus was humiliated and shamed in public on the cross, admitting that you're a sinner hurts and stings. It's no fun. But admitting your sins to Jesus, stepping into the light, grant you forgiveness and sets you free from the darkness of sin to which you are enslaved. I want to tell you my story. When I was a boy, I walked in darkness. I lied to my parents. I fought with my brother. And I cared about myself and nobody else. My friend named Chase told me that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Lifted up is another way to put it. For his sins and for mine. For the sin of the world. He told me that he turned away from his sin and trusted in Jesus. And that Jesus had forgiven him. He told me that if I turned away from my sin and that if I trusted Jesus had died on the cross for my sins, Jesus would forgive me too. So in the living room floor of my house late one Sunday night as a six-year-old boy, I turned away from my sin and I trusted in Jesus to save me. He forgave me. Now I walk in the light. I honor my parents. I love my brother. And I put other people before myself. So here's my question for you here this morning. Will you believe that Jesus was lifted up so that you too can receive life and love and light. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know I've preached to some of you from a very familiar passage of Scripture today, but it's always good to hear the truth. And maybe you've heard the truth numerous times, but you have never truly believed it. You never turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus to save you. 
You're still living in darkness, awaiting damnation after you die. The truth is Jesus came to give you eternal life. He died on the cross for your sins, showing you how much God loves you. And if you just trust in Him, if you'll just look to Him in simple and genuine belief, He'll save you forever. You'll walk in the light and not in the darkness. Aren't you tired of walking in the darkness? If you're here today, And you've never truly turned away from your sins and totally trusted in Jesus Christ to save you. During this song of invitation, would you just lay aside your pride? Forget what other people think about you and act on what God knows about you. He knows the condition of your heart. It'd be a whole lot better for a few people There's probably many of them that would do this anyways, but it'd be a whole lot better for a few people to snicker and make a weird face at you walking down here this morning to give your life to Jesus than it would be for you to have to see God's face. When he says to you, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you when you face him one day in judgment. That's not what I want for you. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to be saved. And you can be if you'll look to Jesus today. Father God, I pray that as your Holy Spirit has opened the eyes of people's hearts today, that they would truly look upon Jesus high and lifted up upon the cross of Calvary for our sins God, we thank you so much that he gave his life for us. That he showed us how much you loved us. So that we don't have to keep walking in the darkness. But so that we can live in the light. God, if there is anyone here today who is still holding on to their sin. Thinking that they can hide God, I pray that they just come to the light today. That they'd confess their sins to you and be saved from them. God, give them the courage now to step out in faith and obedience as you've called to their heart today. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.